It's time to become a member of Playvolution HQ and Exploration's Early Learning. There's a free option and three paid patron-level options. All come with free stuff and ongoing automatic training and merch discounts. For as little as a dollar a month, you can become a patron. That supports our work, and you get premium stuff like early access to fresh podcast episodes. Go to explorationsearlylearning.com slash membership or click the link in this episode's description to learn more. All the cool listeners are doing it. On with the show. Hey, Jeff here. Just a little note about what you're about to hear. The Early Learning Journeys podcast used to be a standalone show I did with Tamar Jacobson. We decided to roll that show into the Child Care Bar and Grill and are releasing the 14 episodes that we did as standalone shows into the Bar and Grill feed so that they'll be here. Uh, also, stay tuned for fresh episodes of that show as tomorrow and I record them. Plus, tomorrow's going to pop on for non-interview episodes now and again as time allows. So uh, we're glad to have her aboard. So here's the episode. Somebody else trapped here at, in Zoom with us to uh, to dissect their early learning journey. Who's with us and, and where should we get started? Yeah, well, good morning, Jeff. What a lovely morning it is, all gray and wintry and ready for the new year. And ready for the new year is Dr. Bill. <laughs> with him, Strader, Dr. Strader. My old friend, Bill, who I've met for, uh, for many, many years uh, at early childhood conferences, actually, um, and has uh, 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 what I know of him is that he's done a lot of work with early childhood students at colleges. So um, I think that's what I'm going to just say for now for introducing him, and then we're going to find out more as we go along. How does that sound, Bill? That's wonderful. I appreciate I appreciate the intro. Brilliant. <laughs> so, so, Bill, when uh, Tamar says old friend, is that uh, old friend or old friend or, or both? It would be both of those, yeah. <laughs> and although we do miss each other when I'm down in Manhattan, when I'm in New York. Uh, I do, uh, I pop into the uh, Toy Association, uh, which is downtown, and uh, I like to stay in this wonderful little hotel um, that is, is quite Irish, called the Fitzpatrick Grand, and it's just off of Grand Central Station. <laughs> Next time. Yes, we'll meet. We should meet. We'll Next get together. Time. Uh, world when people can start meeting in person again. It'll be delightful. Yeah, so, be so, so, Bill, where does your early learning journey begin? Whoa, way back when. Actually, I'm one of those very few high school students back in the Ming Dynasty that actually did um, early education and childcare, so to speak, as I did a lot of babysitting. And I always uh, enjoyed my uh, babysitting with little children, even though I was an athlete and I did all kinds of interesting things in high school. I went on to uh, do my undergraduate studies in psychology, but my area was de- developmental psych-, psych. And then 
my interest became in infancy. And, and interestingly enough, as an undergraduate student, I was published in the Journal of Psychology in a research study that I did on infants and mirror image stimulation, which is, which is I guess, at that time, really unheard of. So um, as an undergraduate student, I actually I had some faculty who were not really happy with me because here I am, an undergraduate student, publishing in a journal of psychology. What the heck is this kid doing? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I didn't know that about you, Bill. I'd love yeah. to see that article. Yes, way back in the Ming Dynasty. That's, that's when I did that. It had to be, well, that would be in 1974, is, I believe, is when we got it published. So I'll, I'll get you a copy. I'd I'll find love a copy to see it. Way. I would love to see it. So okay. in any event, um, my... My world of early education directly is that I graduated from college and I ended up with a migrant child care program in Michigan. So I was working, our center was open from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Monday through Saturday. And we supported the migrant families and the migrant children. I had babies and toddlers and preschoolers. Um, again, our, our shifts were, were quite long because we, we were there for the, for the migrant families. Um, beautiful, beautiful children. Um, and so my first uh, official job was the assisting director and teacher uh, in the migrant child care program, from now, which I now. then will, will go on and take off and head east and end up in Newark, uh, New Jersey, and working in children's mental health. I, I was the um, assistant to the director, and then I was a counselor in a number of programs from preschool to we developed a latency program for children ages 6 to 12, and then my wild and wacky adolescent partial hospitalization program for, for kids who needed a little extra support when they're preteens and teens. Now, wow, Bill, 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 we're going, we're going through this journey too fast. I got questions. <laughs> um, so, so sorry, if, I'll slow down. So the, the college stuff, 1974, you said is when you wrote that paper. Yes. Okay. Yep. I want to go back to before that to, to your, you're in high school or whatever, and you're in your babysitting. How, how did that get started? What, what was, uh, what, what was babysitting like back in the day? Um, how, why were you drawn to that, that kind of thing? Well, I just, you know, people were interested in, in what I did. I, I worked in a little uh, five and 10 uh, type of a, well, it's a catch-all, um, Ben Franklin's, it was called five and 10. And I worked in there and, and uh, people knew me from the high school and, and, you know, a couple of people would come up to you and say, say, Bill, um, you know, my kids are, you know, uh, this and that, and we're going to be going out. Would you be willing to, uh, to babysit with them? And I said, sure, sure. So that's kind of got started that way. And from there, it kind of took off and people were interested in having me babysit. So I had uh, not a little business, but just a few people that I babysit. And what, what was the pay back in the day? Back in the Ming dynasty, if I made... Hmm, a dollar and a quarter, or maybe a dollar an hour. That was pretty good. That's, that's good money back then. And this is like the late 60s? Yeah. Yes, it would be. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and so, so I, I'm picturing you with a ponytail and uh, and a leather jacket with the fringe on it, or what was No, the, none of that. I was just a pretty clean-cut <laughs> kid. And, and I think by the senior year, you could you could go wild. And at that point, the hair could go long, things like that. And I, I believe I had a, a sort of a mustache kind of thing going, maybe seven or eight hairs. And uh, uh, not particularly long hair. You know, I, th I think it was more trimmed that kind of thing. Of course, being an athlete, you, you didn't really have You didn't get to do that anyway. Yeah. Bill, Bill, how did you know what to do with those children? Well, because I think I'd also grown up, uh, I mean, there are four kids in our family and uh, up the lane or down the road, we I had uh, the Peppers, 
uh, the Stanley and Dick Pepper and the little peppers, all the little, little kid peppers and would play with them and do things with them. And, and so that got out that I was always playing with children. And of course, as you know, my emphasis had become, as I grew up, the importance and the significance of play. And then, of course, now, as you know, I coordinate the New England Symposium on Play and, and have always been interested in, in play is the thing. <laughs> Bill, what number child were you in your family? I would be number three out of four. Ah. So was there were, were there a lot of dudes doing that back then, babysitting for neighborhood kids, or were you kind of an oddity? Negative. No, I, I was pretty out. Yeah, pretty far out there. I would guess. You know, oddity. I mean, oddity. <laughs> oddity is how I would describe Bill. Just period. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I love that. I'll, I'm going to have to keep that. And I mean it with such affection. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. <laughs> I think I'm kind of odd too. But well, I, I, no, <laughs> all in the best, all in the best ways. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I, I found myself doing a lot of a lot of the, the, the same thing, babysitting for you know neighbor kids and that kind of stuff. When no. I mean, but this is the early 80s and it was still kind of a a kind of off the wall thing for a, a dude to be doing sure doing at that time and yep. uh and and so I'm, I'm glad to glad to see somebody was doing it a, a couple decades before and yes. so what led you did did that experience working with kids informally then lead you to picking this up as you as you went into your formal education or were there were there other drivers of that choice well, it's interesting because, you know, I, I was, uh, as I said, I was an athlete and, and my grades, which is interesting, I was not really doing all that well for sort of my freshman, sophomore year in high school. But my junior, senior year, something must have switched in with, with me in terms of my learning and my grades went up and up and up. And by the time I was a, a senior, I was a straight A student, which is interesting. And then I got into college and it's sort of the same thing again. I started off sort of a C, C minus student. And as I moved up the, the ranks of, of uh, sophomore, junior, senior, by the time, again, I'm a senior in college, all straight A's. Uh, and um, doing, you know, just doing wonderful things and having a ball. And I had a, the, a Philadelphia urban semester program uh, my junior, senior year and did lots of things uh, when I was in Philadelphia, although there I was in, in adult mental health, um, working in an area of Philadelphia and uh, other clinical opportunities. So that was interesting for me. So I guess the mental health part of my life and supporting mental health and then my own work with children, I think the two of them combined and, and got me very interested in the work that I ended up doing, you know, later on uh, as far as wanting to work with children directly. So that's been my, uh, my one of my loves. So I was involved with the University of Rhode Island Child Development Center and was the head teacher and then uh, director of the program. Uh, from there, I, I went on to uh, to teach in a number of different colleges and universities throughout the New England states. And while doing that, I oftentimes would, would be in there with the children. <laughs> they would say, where's Dr. Bill? He's downstairs in the preschool program. <laughs> you know, I, my theory of always is that we do what we do because we're sort of influenced by our childhood. Yes. And yes. So I'm curious about you being interested in developmental psychology and mental health and young children, how your early childhood affected you to make you interested in that? Well, I think that's, that's a, uh, a very important question. Um, 
part of it has to do with, I think, the fact that, you know, I lived in a sort of a rural area and in a, in a beautiful farmhouse and 16 acres of land and our fields were cut, the hay, the hay was cut and taken away and given to the farmers in the area. And um, actually, I am also a World War II child. My father was a lieutenant colonel in the American Corps. My mother was a Brit although she was born in America, but then went back to England as a baby and grew up. Uh, and then during World War II, interestingly enough, she was a nurse, a United States, a US Army nurse during World War II, during the Blitz and the bombings and, and dodging bullets and all that sort of thing in England and in London. And my father and, and mother met there, came back to the States and the family began. <laughs> I how love did that influence your, your desire for psych, developmental psychology? Well, I think it did because of my interest in children. And there were, there were kids up and down the lane and we were playing together. And I think as a result of that, um, also, I think the nurturing piece I, I kind of uh, was involved in uh, as my mother died when I was young. Ah. And that's another piece of, of sort of looking at self and others and the care for self, the care for others. And, and that's another piece of it you know, uh, of uh, having to grow up. Yeah. And How young were you? I was about 10. That's young. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. It's fairly young. That's a big loss, Bill. Yes, it was. It was, it was, uh, it was a challenge, but we, we get through it and move on and, and uh, you know, find other ways to be involved. And I think the kids, the school, the, my education, all of those kinds of things were, were uh, something that was interesting and exciting for me and, and got me out of the home. Spoken, you know, spoken like a true soldier's son. <laughs> yes, there you go. <laughs> and actually, interestingly enough, I, did, I have worked with, let me pull this off of here, um, the 179th Mountain Division. I'm a, a support of what are called the FRGs or family support system. And this was my work a few years ago with, uh, with the New Hampshire Sea Company, 3rd Battalion, 172nd Infantry, 2010, in supporting families while moms and dads were overseas. So part of my work was with the, with the family, um, again, family resource and family support systems uh, while moms and dads uh, were, were involved in, again, in conflict. Was it that's, oh, go yeah. ahead. Sorry, go ahead, Jim. Well, that seems to be a theme with you. You mentioned uh, working with the, the mi migrant families and, and now this. It, you know, for a lot of people, they, they think childcare or early learning, and they think of a program that looks like one of those catalogs that uh, the companies send out to us. But, but early learning and childcare takes, takes place in all kinds of, of different settings Absolutely. and, and for, for, for different needs. And I think, you know, we as a field need to need to kind of pay more attention to maybe those those non-traditional type programs. I was really interested in hearing what that what that migrant program looked like uh, back in the day. What kind of facility were you in? Um, you know, just kind of. I, I think it's important for people to hear hear those things um, when they're reflecting on on the environments that they're creating now. Well, we were out there, and I mean out there, out in the fields, and parents were working, and we had a we had two buildings, old buildings, and we're way the hell out, you know, way, way out in the country. I have to tell you this one quick little story. It's a beautiful day. It's sort of sunny, sunny, and the kids are outside playing, and I'm looking up to see this dark cloud. It's moving independently on its own on a very clear day, and I kind of thought, this is very peculiar, and it was getting closer and closer to our, our buildings, and I kind of said, 
you know what? I think I'm going to bring the kids in. Well, I brought them in just in time as it was a huge, 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 huge cloud of bees. Oh, <laughs> and the bees decided that they were going to fly into. Are you ready? The chimney of our other building right down into the furnace. Oh, my goodness. Now, no one got hurt and no one got stung, but I had to, you know, call the county and then they sent a beekeeper out and the beekeeper was happy as a, you know, happy as a clam. He's like all excited because he climbs up the top of the chimney. He puts down whatever he puts down. They all climb aboard and he's, he's got, he's got a huge amount of bees for, for his livelihood. Well, those, those fields aren't going to pollinate themselves. No, that's exactly right. But uh, it was quite an experience, but. And again, the, the work I did. And then uh, another time, I'm, I'm outside and the children are saying to me in Spanish, snake, snake. So I'm like, okay, yeah, fine. Little that I realize, this was not a little snake that was underneath one of our little plastic pools. This was probably a 15-foot snake. And I'm talking a huge snake. So again, we get the kids, kids to, come on, we're going to go over here now. And we're going to go inside. <laughs> so again, I had to call the county to, to come out and pick up this huge creature. Um, I don't know what it was. Uh, they, didn't, they never told me the type of snake it was, but, but they were, are, were very thankful that I did get all the kids inside. Yeah, that, that's a lot of snake. At least they were on, those things happened on different days, I hope. Well, oh, yes, it did. It did. But it was still another adventure <laughs> out in the country uh, in Michigan. You know, hey, you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> so this is this is early mid 70s. This would be 1974. That's so right. So what was as far as uh, program regulation, what did that look like for for that particular program? Was there well, any? It's interesting because the migrant program, we did infant, toddler, and preschool, uh, and, and on Saturdays after school programming, uh, so to speak, although it was summer, so it was just all, many of the kids, older kids were working in the fields, but on Saturday, um, and again, we were open on Saturday, and we had all of the children. We had not only the kids from our center, but also uh, the older children were with us uh, on that day, so moms and dads could go into town. And they would do laundry and do shopping and those other kinds of things. Because again, they're out in the field from 7 a.m. till 6 to 5 at night, every single day, Monday through Saturday. They worked hard. And so we were there to support family. We did a lot of things. Uh, I, we managed to, to arrange for pediatricians in the Holland area to come out once a week in the evening from 5 to 8 to be responsive and supportive of the migrant uh, families. So that was a great uh, opportunity to to support the the children and families uh, at that time. How were you? Were you a sort of cuddly teacher? Oh, are you kidding me? They were all over me. Uh -huh. <laughs> or I uh, um, I would sit down and you know I didn't have to make a lap. They were they were in my lap immediately. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, that's what I can imagine, actually. Yes, exactly. And 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 even now, you know, when working with the preschoolers uh, over the years, they they just come over and they lean on me because we don't kind of do too much sitting, you know, anymore on on teachers. So they would lean on me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's sad to say that we don't do too much sitting on teachers. Well, yes, I you know how it is. It's sort of like you have to be a little more careful of where you are and again, who you are, et cetera, et cetera, uh, even though I'm a, a trained professional early educator and have quite a bit of background in working with young children it's still an area of concern so you don't so you can be close to children but you know not so much making laps anymore and, well, at least, because uh, you're a man or because of covid 
Well, I think there's COVID and there's being a man and then there's, you know, the, just the allegation or the assumption that you may be doing something that's inappropriate if you're a male early educator. So got, you let's get, talk about that for a moment. Um, oh, that makes I, me mad. I spent, well, I spent 26 years doing, doing direct care in, in center-based programs and family child care settings. And um, that, I mean, that was a recurring thing. Yes. But on the other hand, the big payoff is I found myself working with so many kids who didn't have any sort of reliable or dependable male role model in their lives that I just kind of got handed that job in a lot of Mm -hmm. situations. And so sometimes we had children that were in our program specifically because there were dudes around. Yes. And 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 the, the, the often single mothers, but often two parent mother, father families felt that that was important for their child. Absolutely. But then I, I recall once that um, I got a phone call. My wife and I were doing family child care at the time, and she didn't like the businessy side of things. So I had to do the interviews and I'm talking to a woman and she's like, you are with the kids. And I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, we both are. But, yeah, I spent lots of time with the kids. And sure. and she, she said, that's just wrong and hung up on me. Yeah, which yeah. which is great because she would not have been a good fit for our program, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. that's that's just the sad reality for and and my my first thought was what's happened in her life? Yes, exactly, exactly. And and you know, since I work with infants and toddlers and preschool children, how often in, in almost all my programs you see a little person who has their arms up when they come over to me saying, "Pick me up." <laughs> yeah. Of course, I'm six feet tall as well, and I think I think they like that height thing, so that they've got a much better view of the world when they're up high with me. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, as a profession, we talk about wanting to bring more men into the field, and the realities out in the field are not often inviting right. uh, for this kind of thing. I I I didn't ever do the. Uh, the the hey no lap thing i just made sure we had the proper insurance so and and because i i just you know we need that contact but i i i we live in that world um but we're going off on a tangent um probably so just well, what, can i just add a point there because you know, as a director of a child care center i found that very often the women the 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 uh, educators would be alarmed with men in childcare because they they did a lot of rough and tumble, which yes. women didn't do. And right. I used to educate the staff as well as the parents. You know, this is an important part of being a child. Mm-hmm. It's rough and tumbling. Um, so I'd have to educate also the staff as well as the parents about mm-hmm. you know the the usefulness of men in, a, in an early childhood program. For sure, and and sometimes the children have the expectation that you are going to be rough and tumble. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can be caring and gentle and, and I am and tactfully supportive. And of course, when we, as you know, when kids go down for nap, I rub backs, you know, and then the kids sort of fade into the sunset and they're out cold, but that's just being with them. Um, the cots are all over the place and down they go and they're resting <laughs> hands down. Okay. Nikisha, it's okay. You can put your book down now and <laughs> close your eyes, take a little rest, <laughs> yeah. but there again, you know, there there could be suspicion. Oh my yeah. goodness! Yeah. Uh, well, has has that has that kind of followed you through the career? Is that like what's that dude doing here? Or well, I th- I think it's it, it is prevalent. For instance, well, one of the things I I, I say teaching uh, college university students, I can say I do not have one hand 
I do not have five students that I've worked with over 30 some years who've been in, who have come into the program to be an early educator. Not, not five. I probably have two or three tops. You mean men? Men, yes, men yes. in early childhood. Very, very few, if any at all. Elementary, yes, early childhood, no. Yep, yep. And actually, as a, as a college professor, if I'd have a man in my class, <laughs> my early childhood class, as we would start, I'd go, yay, we've got a man. And I right. have to try and backtrack and explain why I said that. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, we are a minority in, in that sense of being men in yeah. early childhood. So. Well, I, I, it, it sticks out to me that years ago I was doing a presentation in uh, – uh, I think it was New Jersey. Um, we won't get any more specific than that. But I'm talking to caregivers and, and I'm talking to this this lovely woman, the director of a program, and her son works for her. He's mm -hmm. he's like 17 and he works part time during yeah. the summer and he yeah. really loves it. Sure. And, and so because we're like the only two dudes at this at this conference with two or three hundred people, we're talking during lunch. And he says, like, you know, I, 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 I like are you is this something you're going to study when you go off to college? Because he'd been talking about uh, about sending out college application. He's like, no, no, I'd, I'd, I'd love to. But I'm I'm looking at uh, business classes because I can't work in early learning because, uh, you know, full time because I'm, I'm not gay. And it was it was shocking that that this young guy who he'd grown up in a childcare yeah. center perceived that that that's those two things were kind of tied together. Right. Um, and, you know, we had a long conversation about that, that um, and so what if you were and you don't that's not a requirement to work in the field right. as, as, as a male. And it, it's it was just shocking. Yes, I know, and that's an, and that's another perception of you that I think needs to to be looked at. But yeah, um, that's a challenge in and of itself. I mean, if uh, um, Tamara, you know, and I, when we go to our national conference, if there are if there are fifty men in the entire conference, and we're talking a conference of what twenty thousand people, yeah. that's yeah. surprising. You know, we will have people who are vendors naturally, who are exhibitors, and you know, many men from. Yeah. You know, different aspects of, of our play world and play materials and resources and equipment, et cetera, et cetera, because they're selling things, but not directly working with young children. Yeah. You know? yeah. It's always a joke because they have to make all the men's bathrooms into women's bathrooms because they right. just are never enough. And exactly. there's like one little men's bathroom at the end of the hall somewhere. No, no, no. In the next building. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Bill, was, was there ever a time you didn't want to work with children? You wanted to do something completely differently? Hmm, that's interesting. I don't think so. I mean, I, I've always enjoyed my work with, with uh, children and students. And again, the, those worlds for me of, of college and university teaching and supporting um, the college and university students uh, in their emerging sense of of who they are as professionals. And you, I, I don't know if you even know this. Um, I do have a, what's well, a group and that's my future leaders in early childhood education uh, group online. It's, it's part of my work. Um, and it's college and university students from all over the country and early childhood clubs and organizations from around the country. Huh. And I'm at, I'm at the verge of, of, as I grow up and being able to do all of this stuff of connecting the college and university students from their clubs with each other. So we can have this whole national group of future leaders in early childhood education of which, you know, I, I started the interest forum on students and future leaders in early childhood at, at NYC. In right. addition to my supporting from national association for family childcare, 
both of those national organizations, um, I've supported the concept and the idea of who young emerging professionals are, our college and university students. And, and actually, for, for me, I always had opportunities for my college students to do pre-practicum work or observation, are you ready, in family child care settings, not just center-based. That's unusual. Yeah, and the students would go, oh my God, we had no idea. Well, of course you have no idea, because many people are still not familiar with the whole so of the idea or the concept of family child care and what that means. In or terms the family of- child care could be of quality. Absolutely. And and that there's a National Association for Family Child Care. Duh. I mean, I presented for them uh, on the importance of play in the development of children uh, and also men in early childhood. Yeah, I was on their board for a number of years. It's a, it's oh, a yeah. great organization. It is. It is. Bill, you've mentioned you've mentioned joy a couple of times in talking about your work with kids. What does specifically what does that look like? What brings you joy about the work? Well, what brings me joy is the children's joy. <laughs> I love setting up, uh, before school, we'll set up materials or whatever is going to be in the classroom at that time. And the kids come in and <clears throat> off they go. <clears throat> and they're interested, they're involved, they're engaged, they're chatting, they're talking away to each other, blah, 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 blah. And I find that fascinating. And to see the laughter, the humor, um, the awareness of each other, all of those things that we're going to see later on as they become adults, them doing this thing as preschool children, as threes and fours and fives. That is such a kick. I, you know, I love that. That's the joyfulness of, again, I think of young children, of who they are as emerging people um, and what it is that they do that's fun and enjoyable and, and laughable. And that's another thing that I, well, I've always brought to the classroom is a sense of humor. And don't we need that? <laughs> oh yeah well you bring that you, you as, as every time i've met you i i leave you feeling joyful <laughs> well i'm glad <laughs> it, it is but you know i i don't think that your personal life i mean starting with your mother dying when you're so young has been that joyful so so maybe no. you get, get redeemed when you're with children yes like that me. could very well be sure <laughs> sure i that find could be a piece of it it could be therapeutic, you know, who knows if that's a, a piece of it, but I, I would guess it would be. But I've also, I've also had therapeutic support to become who I am and, and to let go of, um, you know, the loss and the sadness and those kinds of things and come to grips with, you know, aspects of our lives that, you know, that's, that's, that happens, you know? Well, not for everybody. People, well, that's true. But I, I, I think believe people who are courageous do that. Yes, I, I guess so. But I, I guess that's just me. You know, I just, just see... If you need help, get help. You know, that's it's as simple as that. <laughs> Especially if you're going to be talking to Tamar because she'll make you talk about it and think about it. So, <laughs> you know, there you go. I don't any longer think of it as needing help. I think that that learning about who we are is so is just really interesting. And yes, I, I, I love to know more about how I came to be me. So, mm-hmm. I, I just wish lots of people would like that. Yes, I would think so too. I would think so too. And and do they do that? I mean, do do you actually explore who you were, who you are, and, and who you're going to be, and where you're going next? Um, I say that you know, right now, this what two weeks ago, I finished 45 years of working in the field, in stepping away from uh, about five years of of such wonderful school that's up here, almost on the Vermont Massachusetts border remarkable teachers, remarkable setting, 
The kids are just a hoot and a half, uh, anywhere from preschool all the way up to uh, fifth grade. And then they go on to uh, sort of junior high, sort of sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, and then off to high school, that sort of thing. But uh, I've been with them for five years, so I've, I've gotten I've gotten the opportunity to watch them from preschool. And this year I was in the, the third and fourth grade. So I got to see them emerge, grow, develop, and, and now they're old kids. Now they're all the way up in third and fourth grade. Woohoo! They're wily so, veterans. Yes, exactly. And to see how they've grown and developed is just it, that. That's another thing that's just amazing and wonderful. And, the, the, and there's two things I, that come to mind as you're talking about that. One is, a, a, a Jeff, maybe before the end or something, if you could give the link or, or somehow information about that website for early childhood leaders mm-hmm. to join. And the other thing that I just didn't want to forget that. And the other thing is that what do you actually do now? You mean this minute? Or well, this minute you're talking to us, Bill. Well, well, what am I doing now? I am like, as, an, as an early childhood professional. Okay, as a professional right now, I am in the process of, as I say, <clears throat> moving my, what would you call this, internet world of college and university students, supporting their um, connections with each other. <clears throat> so University of Alabama... Early Childhood Club and University of Nevada Early Childhood Club and the Early Childhood Club at the Community College of Rhode Island and then the Early Childhood Club at University of Maine all get together in different ways to talk shop about who and what they are as emerging professionals. What do they do on campus? What are they doing in terms of their um, courses? What are they doing in terms of their direct work with young children, their pre-practicum, their practicum work, student teaching, things like that. And as a club or an organization, what do you do on campus and what do you do in the community that speaks to who you are as emerging professionals in early childhood education? Huh. I thought you were also doing uh, reading with children. Well, I do that because that's that. those are national programs as well. Read Across America, which is one, and Jump Starts Read for the Record, that's another. So I, I'm so excited about that they have, that those programs are. That's a one-day event. I uh-huh. mean, you want to expand it, but those are both one-day events to bring awareness nationwide to the importance of reading and the importance of, of children's books and good children's literature. That's what, that's what those speak to. But it's just opportunity to read to kids, anybody and everybody. <laughs> read to children that's it <laughs> right <laughs> that's not that hard no it's not no, but but do we do we really do it yeah i mean yeah, absolutely cool, but do, do you see moms and dads reading at home well the, do they read and then uh children and parents reading together i i love to see that that's that's great too so and also just children's books which also leads me to the, the importance of of uh, children's literature and our wonderful authors that are out there doing great things um, and supporting them, you know, that I think all of those uh, sort of are tied up. And uh, here in Western Massachusetts, there are a number of authors that are here, too, that go to, to go to schools and share their books and their love of, of writing uh, and creating books, which is wonderful. Well, it sounds like you're keeping yourself busy. You're not kidding. Yes, <laughs> I am. I'm not laying around. Although I'm, I'm fortunate right now because we don't have snow coming in, but but yet... Well, but uh, the weather up here can be variable. Uh, and of course, you have to keep your eye on the weather and the news because, you know, school closings and things like that. So, yeah, that, that's going to happen. 
<laughs> hey, Bill, you you mentioned the 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 kind of benefits of of working with kids over time. You see that growth and development. And he mentioned you have you've been at this for forty five years. How have you grown and developed in your just in the room on the floor practice with kids over that time? Did you kind of did you kind of come out of the gates knowing what you're doing and and that 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 your professionalism has just kind of stayed the same but evolved or did you did you make mistake mistakes in the early years what what's the journey been like well i play <laughs> but in playing i don't just dive in and say all right give me the ball i go in and first i observe and i watch the interesting things the children are doing and i may maybe comment or a question or or what they're doing in terms of their play um, other times I may help to support the play if it's going in a weird direction and somebody might get hurt or clunked or banged or, or, or it's aggressive, angry, not happy play. I may say, yeah, let's, uh, we're going to time out. Let's, let's, let's rethink what we're doing right now. So I'm, I'm a playful kind of guy and I observe it. I watch it. I see it. I support it. I want them to play. I want them to engage in all kinds of play, you know, whether it's active or sitting down or games or, or, or whatever. But I see that as just a piece of their emerging development because it, it cuts across every aspect of from values to physical development. To, well, you know, I don't have to tell yeah. you. Was, was that your approach back when you were watching the neighborhood kids or working with the migrant program and it's yes, just evolved I, or, or did you stumble upon it? Yeah, no, I think I think uh, as a playful person, I probably went, oh yeah, that's right. Play is my big thing. I mm -hmm. I love play, um, but I, just looking at human growth and development, I I see that or have always seen that as being such a remarkable uh, aspect of of human growth and development. I mean, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. Yay! Go go grow and learn and do interesting things and. Uh, the little person I've been working with for a number of months um, sort of has emerged prior to some time. It was very, very quiet and very defensive and little, you know, had stuff going on inside his head, heart and soul. And over the months of my working with him, um, he, he had grown quite a bit and done some new things. But predominantly, that was really done through play. Mm -hmm. So I guess I believe we'd call that play therapy. Yes. Hello. I was, I was, I was, <laughs> in the field of psychology and the clinical psych, they would say, Dr. Bill, why are you playing with those children? And I say, well, that is a form of therapeutic milieu, as it were. I love the term, therapeutic milieu, I have to say it again. <laughs> Just playing with the kids and observing and seeing and laughing and enjoying what it is they're doing. And you know what? The kids say, come on, Dr. Bill, you got to play with us. Well, thank you. Sometimes I do, and sometimes I, no. I just, I just, I'm going to be here, but I'm just, I just want to see all the interesting things you do, and I just sit and smile and watch what they're doing. Make sure they don't clunk each other or do something dumb, um, and hurtful or whatever. But other than that, I'm just observing and making a note of things and uh, supporting their play uh, in ways that I think will expand their play, and yet at the same time allow them to do their do their funny, silly, wonderful things that promote language and emotions and social connection and intellectual prowess yes brilliance on our part so it's all of those it's all of those things <laughs>
I didn't know that your mother was British. So now I'm understanding sometimes you have, when you talk to me personally about the British part. <laughs> yes, I know. And which you, you clearly tell me, ah, Bill, I'm not from England. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a colonial. Yes, exactly, exactly. So, so what, why is it so important, Bill, for you to care about children? Well, why is it important for me to, to oh, geez. Yeah. Well, kids, they're such a hoot and they're our future. They're, they're remarkable. They're interesting. They have a lot of things to say. Um, I think right now their world is, is um, a very strange place for them to come out of. When I think of the children from preschool through really uh, right up through high school of what's happened right now in our world. And what does that mean to their connections? What does it mean to their ability to play? What does it mean for, for them developmentally to be isolated away from each other and, and not connected? Um, I, I think about those types of things for them. And of course, they're playing this way now uh, on, online and yeah. maybe playing games online. Um, but that's, I think that's another piece of, of who we are and who they are and how we're going to look at this developmentally, um, how it may impact uh, our kids in the present and the future. Yeah, so, are you worried about that? Well, it concerns me, sure, because the, the kids aren't together, and the, the, school, the schools in the areas are not open. And the teachers, God bless them, I have watched them do their online work, and what a remarkable thing that they're doing to stay online and to work with all of the children that they have in their classroom. That is such a challenge for them. The energy, the time, the commitment that they're giving is remarkable. It really is. God bless them. Yeah. No. Yeah. If I can say that. Well, I just yeah. did. Yeah. <laughs> you can say whatever you want on this show. Hey, Bill, this has come up. This came up with a, a previous interview we did with, with Lisa Murphy uh, talking about play. And I'd like to hear what you think about how we are preparing humans to work in the field of early learning slash childcare in terms of, of play, mm -hmm. because my experience is that I, I hear regularly from people in this field, some version of, Hey, Jeff, I'm in my third year working on an elementary ed degree and none of my professors have mentioned play yet. Um, so what what's going on out there? Are we are we getting it right? Are we making mistakes? Are is it hit and miss? What are you what are you seeing? Well, there again, you, what you've said is that it, the the important piece of your conversation was early childhood, elementary. Are they similar? Are they different? <clears throat> I think of a, a, a and then let me switch hats to be a developmentalist. When I look at children developmentally from infancy through age eighteen. Okay, that whole span. What's it like when it, when there's a little preschool children and then they move to public school? And what does public school mean from preschool through grade three? Because that's my certification area. So I prepare my college students from infancy through age eight. Mm -hmm. So there's somewhere in that area. <clears throat> but human growth and development underlies all of it, all of that. But it doesn't stop at age eight. Human growth and development goes from eight to 12 and then, uh-oh, get ready. I'm 13 now. So 13 to 18, let's say. So as a developmentalist, I look at children and emerging young adults, if you want to call them, of course, 18, 19, 20, 21. 
Those are my wild and wacky college students. And they're a hoot and a half as well. But I also see developmentally changes from freshman to senior year. You do. Sure. Right. You know, we all, all of us did. And, you know, your junior year, your junior, senior year. And, and then my senior year, you know, I'm, I'm it. You know what I'm saying? I'm <laughs> the top of the rock now. You know what I mean? I'm here now. You don't even talk to me. I'm a senior. <laughs> but they're now immersed in their study and their final work and getting ready to get into a new world uh, and graduate, et cetera, et cetera. And so when you look developmentally from birth to age 18 and then 18 to 21, if you want to go that far, how interesting that is developmentally to, to see where have they been, where are they going? Um, and I appreciate the fact if I'm an early educator, I'm birth to age eight is the area, supposedly. So that would be infant, toddler, preschool, kindergarten, first and second, and maybe third grade, says the colleges or universities who prepare them. Elementary is K to six or K to eight. Hmm. And again, what happens developmentally, and I appreciate what you're saying, in elementary school, we don't talk play. There's academics, there's academics, but I'm going, yeah, right. But they're not in academics all day long. I hope they get to do art and music and movement and, and gymnasium, yes, hello, otherwise known as it's gym, where they get to run around and do interesting things. But all of that, is, I guess, is part of what we would see in an effective early childhood program slash an effective elementary school program. I would see developmentally, it goes, you know, preschool through grade whatever. I'm fortunate in the, the school I was just in. It was preschool through grade five. So what I love is the, the fifth graders would go to, all the way down to the preschools and read to them. Sure. The fifth graders, fourth graders would go down and let's, the, let's let the, the fourth graders do some interesting things with the, with the preschool children or the kindergarten children um, when they go to the gym to do some special kind of play. So how soon do you talk play with your students? You mean my college students? Yeah. Uh, the minute they get in the door, you know there are toys all over the room. <laughs> and you know when I set up my when I set up to do presentations. <laughs> as a matter of fact, I think the airport when security opens up my bag to see what's in there and they see all that stuff I have, it's like all right, all right, all right. Please understand, I teach people who work with young children, and they're looking at this like, oh my god, we're and they're going to take all this stuff out, toys and games and manipulative materials, puppets, etc., to look to see if I have a bomb or anything like that. It's like, okay, I got to put it all back again. But you know, I bring all of that stuff with me when I'm presenting. And you know what the, do you know what our early educators do the minute they get in the classroom? They start looking at the stuff and they're, and they're picking it up and playing with it, Autom right, uh, you know, right away. It's almost like we're wired for that. Yes, we are. We are, exactly. And we're supposed to be wired that way, I think, you know. That's, and that's, that to me are good, are good educators. I appreciate the fact that in my past several months of working with this third grade classroom, there's always something on the children's desks when they come in in the morning, something on their desk every day, their individual desk. And of course, now we've got the sneeze guards and all this other stuff, because these are children. Uh, this school is still operating as a regular school, except for, you know, we're doing the six foot thing and they've got masks and all that good stuff. And, and, uh, they do a the school does a remarkable job uh, during this COVID world uh, of being open. And there are the teachers not only teaching those kids who are there, but also are online 
during the day with those children who are at home. So God bless them, you know, what they have to do now in order to reach the kids. And you go into those schools? Oh, yes, yes. I'm, uh, I have been working in one of those schools for the past uh, four, three, three, four months. And what do you do? Well, I'm, I'm a, I have been a one-to-one support person uh, for a particular child in the third grade, but, all, but also just in the classroom. So I'm a, I'm a support for, for whatever needs to, to be, and I, I can go from class to class or wherever they need me during the course of the day, but primarily I'm in that, that third, fourth grade classroom, and that's what I was doing. Prior to that, I was, I was in the preschool program uh, as, an, as, as a teacher assistant, whatever, wherever they needed me, basically. Do you think adults need to play? Yeah, let's go. What, what do you do to play? What do I do to play? Oh, you name it. I'm, you know, well, I'm, I mean, you, you bake wonderful muffins. I always see that on Facebook. Oh, well, that's one thing I, I love to do anyway. It's just I, baking is fun. You know, yeah. and so, as a matter of fact, I have a serious apple pie that is his calling in the refrigerator saying uh, <laughs> the apples are calling, not the, not the pie yet. I still I mean, the that. stuff that he bakes, Jeff, you have to see it on Facebook. I, I, I am drooling, drooling. It's so unfair that I can't have any. Well, you could. I can mail them to you. Or next time I... I will give you my address. Well, next next time I'm in the city, I'll just, you know, because I love taking the train in. I drive over to Providence and then I jump the train from there into Manhattan. And you still I, do that now in COVID? No, 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 no. But I, I did. I haven't done it in a long time. But well, I, I don't even know if the trains... I'm not even sure if the trains are running. I don't know if Amtrak is even zipping, zipping back and forth now, you know, from Boston down to... So to, how else how else do you play apart from cooking? Well, I'm looking, I, I do, um, <laughs> I've got puzzles that I like to put together. That's always a fun thing, you know. Uh-huh. I, although I did see today a three-dimensional uh, puzzle, and the person who put it together, and it was Harry Potter's complete school, the, all the tiers, <laughs> all the entire buildings, everything. I went, whoa, that would be fun to, to try to work with. <laughs> do, you, do you play Jeff? Um, yeah, I make podcasts and stuff. That's kind of play for me. <laughs> I mean, this is. I make podcasts. I like that. <laughs> I like vanilla, a vanilla podcast, and then I got <laughs> chocolate. I got a strawberry podcast coming out, and maybe a blueberry. We don't know yet. We're working on that. Well, it, well, it is all about the ingredients. You got to pick the. Yes. Uh, you got to pick the right <laughs> ingredients if you ended up with a good final product, which is why why my my first thought when I wanted to start this show was tomorrow as a as a co-host because uh, that's that's a good ingredient right there. Absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> I'm with you on that one. But I'm, you know, in all seriousness, I think that adults need to be able to play in order to be playful with children. Like if we don't have that in us, it's very hard to to um, recognize the importance of play for children. Otherwise. Okay. All right, so you ready? Now watch this, you two. Hands go down here and you slap, you go. Okay, so Bill's doing all sorts of things with his hands now. Okay, so your hands go down, you slap your knees, then your hands go up, and one goes across to your ear and the other to your nose. Then it goes back down, and then you reverse and go the other way. That's terribly hard. Okay, and you ready, set, go. I can't do it. I'm a non- I'm I'm by nature a nonconformist. So you're a nonconformist. Yeah, I'm. I, no. I, by 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 just just by every every 
internal inclination when somebody tells me to do something i can't do it just because that's how nonconformist i am which is which you don't follow I, orders which i think for me is almost a form of play <laughs> um, by the way that's a stan laurel and oliver hardy move <laughs> the movie that came out in about 1939 or 38 or i'm not sure when but Stan Laurel's sitting down at the bench. He's just sitting at the bench and he's got his bowler on and he's just sitting there. He's going like this. And Oliver's going, what are you doing? So he tries <laughs> to do it and he's going like this and he's going like that. You know, he clearly is unable to do it, but it is, it is a very funny scene. I said, I got to steal that one. So when I, <laughs> when I do present nationally, I have done that with, 150 people and I have to tell you they are crying they're laughing so hard because they're looking at each other while they're trying to do this and they're poking each other's there's their eyes their ears they just clearly you know that's a sophisticated you know because we are crossing the midline if you want to be a developmentalist no well that's the problem and so so many teachers are so serious that they think that play is frivolous and I I think it's important that you know we're able to play well I mean I used to to tell my students that um Sex is a form of adult play. And sure. uh, I had a couple of students take my class subsequently. And I would ask always, you know, why are you taking this class? And a couple of them said, because we heard you talk about sex. <laughs> 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 but I do think that, it's, that if we're not joyful and playful in ourselves, it's very hard to accept children's, I mean, it's a developmental need. They have Absolutely. to play. They um, do. And if we if we have an education system that shuts the tap off when they walk into the kindergarten classroom, what are I mean, how else are they supposed to grow up? Yes. Um, and I mean, for for years, I've been hearing from kindergarten teachers how who, who've worked long term in the field, how their their classrooms don't look anything like they did right. when they started 20 or 30 years ago. The exactly. block area is gone or diminished. The yep. play, the dramatic play area is gone or diminished. It's all replaced with uh, with smart boards and computer screens. And so when we when we actively weed out play from the lives of children at that very early age, how do we how do we expect? them to grow up to be playful adults absolutely and i do want to tell you that the school that i'm that i have worked in this is row elementary it's called a row school are you ready for this the third and fourth grade students all have a we have a huge 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 tub of legos absolutely awesome and the things that they're creating the sophisticated building the kinds of think creations that they are making and the discussions that they're having between each other. Cause I got to, 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 to be them when they, when they did have some time uh, with their Legos was just so fascinating because for them, the sophisticated building, the language that's coming out of them and the discussions relative to this particular piece that I am building right now, that it offshoots this particular angle. And the reason why it does this is I do not want the rays from the ray guns to be shooting directly at this particular part because it will kill the quendo beasts that I do not want them to kill. (laughs) But it's that type of sophisticated language and building and creating. And it's, it's so cool. I'm just like, yeah, baby, go third and fourth grade. Uh Uh-huh. Bam. We got Legos. Uh, so Jeff, doesn't Bill remind you in a sort of very different kind of way of Mr. <laughs> Rogers? 
Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers. <laughs> well, you, well, he's do know, a sweater. you do you do know that I, I have known Fred over the years. Oh, I don't know. Yes, Fred Fred and I have communicated. We've we, we only met once, but we have communicated through letters. Over the years, oh yes, years and years and years ago when I was running the Hyannis Child Care Program uh, and we, uh, his early work had to do with a superhero play that I wrote to him a couple of times about his segment having to do with superhero play and, and what the superheroes were like because kids were, were at that time punching each other and hitting each other and being super monsters and destroying each other and hurting each other. Uh, and I wrote to him about that, and, and he and I uh, began a conversation relative to that. And, of course, uh, the Hulk was the thing at that time. And Lou Ferrigno, you know, they showed um, – he did an interview with, with Lou, and he talked about getting into his makeup and, you know, that Lou was a person himself who was hearing impaired um, and what that was like for him as um, a very big, large man. Of course, you know, he, he – used to strengthen building up his muscles and becoming this huge, he was an, an attempt to be a Mr. Universe um, through his uh, working out, et cetera, et cetera, um, to be and to become someone of significance and importance because he is someone who had language issues, of course, and also things because he was, because he was deaf. How interesting. But anyway, so so Fred and I used to write to each other and I've got I've got letters in the other room and one one of the letters that I framed. Yeah, you uh, used to term some of our, our younger listeners might not know you wrote letters. What could you could you describe? Oh, what, what's a letter? A letter, right. Where you take a piece of paper, for uh-huh. instance, and you might write some things on it. Dear, let's see, dear Fred, uh-huh. how are you, buddy? It's been a while since you and I have talked. What are you doing now? What are you working on? I'm here in Western Massachusetts now, so we're not all that far away, except for you're over in the Pittsburgh area. Sometime we got to get together and sit down and laugh and talk shop. Talk to you later. Bye. And then I put this in an envelope with a stamp on it, and I send it to their offices. That's it. That's an interesting piece of of ancient technology. I'm sure some of our young younger listeners haven't experienced (laughs) Yes, and Thanks, actually drawing pictures, and then on the bottom of it, you have places to write an interesting little note. OMG, what a cool idea. <laughs> oh, that's right. We already had paper like that. Whoa. <laughs> Bill, what would you like to tell people who are listening to this podcast about early childhood and life and you? <laughs> and me, yeah. well, I don't know about that, but but I could certainly tell you that there's so many interesting things that children can do. There's so many fun things. Oh, whoa, look, look at this cool little tiny book, The Little Engine That Could by Waddy Piper. Look at this. Yeah. Whoa, and that goes way back to the 1930s. Children's books and reading to children. What a fun way of learning about the phenomena of words and language and fun things to say and do and rhymes and riddles and poems. And of course, jokes. Yes, hello. <laughs> All of those fun things that relate to us talking to each other and being together. And of course, I had to have toys because toys are such cool things. Wait, don't go anywhere. Look at this. Here it comes. Whoa. Oh, yes. Uh, is, that a, is that a sailing boat? Yes, this is a little, this, this would be like a little fishing dinghy type of thing, but it has sails. 
and I have a whole collection. Oh, what of boats? Different boats that I have that I that I love because I, even though I grew up in the Midwest, I grew up on a lake, and we have something called Lake Michigan, which is very fun. And then I came out here to the East Coast. And of course, being out here, as you know, we have something called the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> where you keep all that water. That's exact. Well, it's it's over there. <laughs> or over, I can't, I wouldn't picture it somewhere. One of those, <laughs> one of those directions. Right now where I have, I have these beautiful hills because I'm in what they call the Berkshires, so the, uh, the Berkshire Hills. Some people would call them mountains, but my buddies out west would say, yeah, Bill, that's nothing. That, that's flat. This would be considered flatland for them. <laughs> But that's but that's um, that's not personal. What you mean? You mean the 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 mountains? I yeah. want you to say something about you personally. Oh, you want me to say something personal about me or about yeah. playing? Yeah, yeah. I loved, for example, I loved hearing that you had lost a mother when you were ten. Okay. I mean, I didn't love hearing that, but I liked to know. I get to know you better that way, and that oh, you were I British, see. Okay. and that your father was a was a in the in the military. Yes, and he was a businessman. He was a he worked in Chicago, did the train thing, and and we would go into Chicago, take the train in, and goof around in the city. And there's this wonderful museum. Hmm, I think it's the Chicago Museum of Art. Whoa! And then there is the Museums of Science and Industry. Whoa! Yes, but come back to you now. Hmm? He, doesn't, okay. he doesn't like to talk about himself, Jeff. Well, you know, me. I'm kind, of, I'm kind of with him on that. I, I love when people <laughs> talk about themselves, but I don't like to talk about myself myself. So uh, I'm kind of with him, but we, maybe we can draw him out. But is or, that is that a man thing, or is it is it that that I I, I uh, scare people by asking them to talk about themselves? It could be both. Uh -huh. All right. Well, myself. Okay. So self comes from lots of things. I think I grew up uh, in in uh, a sort of a sad household but independent of that I got out of that because I adopted into my work life and in my work life I met some remarkable people who became almost surrogate parents uh -huh. they were remarkable people and they were in they were as a matter of fact um one was a writer and another was a psychiatrist but I I didn't sit down with with uh, the doctor and have therapy but I, I took care of their home and I cut their fields and I painted their house and I did stuff, but they adopted me in the sense that they were such remarkable human beings yeah. and they took me into their home to do whatever they wanted to do. And I'd be painting in a bedroom and end up with, with him and her and the daughter all on their beds, laughing and giggling and having tea and while I'm painting. <laughs> <laughs> So they always included me and I think it said I would get to work and do stuff and they would end up hanging out with me whenever I was working, which I thought was kind of fun and funny and important to me because they saw me as someone of value. So, because uh, I, I had sort of surrogate parents, I always, call, I always say that I developed through the kindness of strangers. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a, that's important for us, I think. Yes. So as a teacher, we could we could maybe not be a parent, but we could be a we could give another option. To yes, yes. And and I think those people who really saw for me, you have value, you have worth, and a little message was written. Bill has potential that he knows nothing about. That little message to me when I went off to college was in my was um, in my dorm room underneath my little desk. Uh, and that was an important message that that helped me 
to see that I, yes, I did have value and I did have worth as a college student. Cause initially I got there and I'm like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing here. <laughs> but so grades were initially, I started off as like C minus grades. By the time I'm a senior, not unlike I did in high school, straight A's. So I think that my development sort of emerged in terms of my cognitive skills. Yes, hello. My <laughs> research and intellectual prowess. Yes, hello. That grew up because I had all these wonderful opportunities, but to develop as a person, as a human, and to find others who valued me, yeah. of course, is ex- incredibly important. Yeah. And, that, and that when the minute I got home, I, I would, from on holidays, would go right over to that house to see them because that was a happy, wonderful place. And they were glad to see me and we had grand times. And yes, they were, they were parent-like. And yeah. as a matter of fact, that couple came up to see me graduate from college. Oh, my. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what we need to give children, right? The sense of self-worth. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and that you're of value and worth every single day. <laughs> yes, yes. And that's what the teachers do, which I love, that they, Sean, here you are, and Nikisha, there you are, and Albert, uh-huh, excuse me, what are you doing, dude, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and <laughs> I love all the communication that happens out in the hallways where kids are, which I think is funny, they're out in the hallway and they're at their lockers. Of course they make noise. I heard some of the the paraprofessionals and other teachers saying, quiet, be quiet uh-huh. when you're coming in. Well, how do you do that? There's 20 kids outside in the hallway and they've got lockers. And of course they're going to talk to each other. It's a hallway. <laughs> you're saying, be quiet, be quiet. Like, uh, yeah, no, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> and why should it happen? That's exactly right. So. <laughs> Yeah, I would I just kind of let I let that one go, but then they would start yelling at me, Bill, be quiet out here. Oh, sorry, because <laughs> I'm making noise out there too to have chatting with them, you know. <laughs> I, I got in trouble once, uh, volunteering at a kindergarten class. Uh, we're out for recess, and I slapped a kid on the shoulder and said, Tag, you're it, and started running. And six five year olds just look at me with eyes bugging out, like, we, we can't run on the playground. Literally, oh, that's what they told geez. me, are you trying to get us in trouble? We can't run in the playground. Um, so, yeah, wow. I'm right there with you. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. I, I would have been saying that too. Wait, time out. Where can we run then? <laughs> yeah, well, um, you know, they had uh, one of those asphalt playgrounds, which uh, yeah. some really, really thoughtful adults designed. And yes. uh, it was too risky for uh, small children to run in the playground. So that's the... Yeah. And also the thing about having what they call grass or lawn or an area that is soft. What a novel idea. Yeah. You know, can you do that? I don't know. You know, I know. And now, and now, and now when you look at urban environments where they're saying, well, yeah, don't we need that there as well? Well, we take kids to the park. Well, sure. Now you can run around, you know. One of the things that, um, well, there were three things that I learned from Lisa when we were talking. And uh, one was, um, what were some sentences or phrases that changed your path? I don't know if you asked that question, Jeff, or if Lisa mentioned it. Oh, if, like, if, if you liked it, I asked it, I'm sure. <laughs> Good. Well, <laughs> well, Jeff, when you asked that, I really liked it. So, so what, do you, what do you think about that, Bill? Were there any sentences or phrases that changed your path along the way? I mean, apart from that little message that you got for college. But that message was incredibly powerful for me because okay, I so, never heard it. I think yeah. that was the one that said to me, he has potentials he knows nothing about, 
Uh, to explore yeah. those potentials then and to become who I became. And here I am a senior, a student who's done, who's not only done uh, research in infancy, but published in the Journal of Psychology, which faculty were mad at me. I mean, wait, isn't this what you taught us to do? Yeah. Well, yeah, but you're an undergraduate student. We're and faculty. <laughs> and look at that now. You're, you're this old man now and you still remember it. What? What? <laughs> I'm an old ham. Did you are say you, ham? Are you as old as me? <laughs> I'm 71. Well, March 1st, I'm right behind you. Oh, wow. He doesn't look it, does he, Jeff? No. March 1st, I will be 70. Oh, my. We have oh. to celebrate. Yes, 70. Here's, here's to 70 years. Woohoo! This is coffee. And look at this. I have a mug from Fisher College, which is where I taught uh, here in New England. Um, it is a, the main campus is in Boston, but there are satellites around the state. And I taught in a few of the satellites. Huh. Who knew? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, do you have any other questions for, for my dear old friend, Bill? I'm, I'm wondering what's... I love... You're 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 just turning seventy in a few months. What's what's the plans for the future? You know what? That's a great question because I did hang up my my hat supposedly um, a few weeks ago, and that's for the forty five years of of working in the field to say what's next. Now there is this place called the Yankee Candle, which is the flagship store is right down the road, not even <laughs> twenty minutes. So I may be a, a person that answers the door. Please come in. Welcome to Yankee Candle. You could do We work. are so glad to see you. How's that? I'm practicing that. <laughs> maybe a uh, maybe a pie stand at the local farmers market. Now, someone actually, I do have to tell you. Some people were saying to me, "Bill, are you ready?" And and they are what are called cream de menthe brownies. Now I make those and actually they're in, in Shelburne Falls, this quaint little town in Western Mass. There is a candy store there. And I told them about that. Actually, I brought them a couple of those, of those brownies and they have since stolen the idea, which is great. And now they make uh, the cream de menthe brownies. I'm like, yeah, go for it. Oh, so I hope I, you're getting a couple cents per brownie that they sell. Well, they did give me one block. It looked like a brick. That was mine. Here, Dr. Bill, this is for you. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, what is that? And they said, those are your, that's your brownie. And then the <clears throat> younger daughter was there and she said, oh my God, they're so good. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was pretty funny. I said, yeah, why am I not going into that area of, uh, of my life's work? Although I do want to um, share with, um, with you two, um, my significant person over the years, uh, eight years now, is in the other part of the world. She's in the Philippines and she is a former officer in the Philippine Navy. She is a, uh, a former medical personnel, uh, a dental surgeon. Uh, she's since left those areas of her life and is a businesswoman. And she has three grown, wonderful daughters. And, and uh, that's uh, where we have this wonderful long distance relationship. And I've been over once. I'm going to try and get her over here in the family just so we can bounce back and forth. So that's been a wonderful part of my, of my present life is learning all about what is it, what's the world like on the other side of the world in the Philippines and, and that whole area of uh, Southeastern um, Pacific 
you know, the whole area of the Pacific Ocean and the whole area. Of, uh, and of course, I've, of course, we've got a buddy in, from Australia who's now at University of Wisconsin. Um, oh. So yes, that uh, Jody is now at, at UW, uh, which is great. Uh, Jody Reek, who was is a good buddy of mine over the years. Oh. <clears throat> she, uh, she now teaches here in the States, but uh, was a person down in Australia. So was what is there anything you would have done differently in your life? Mm, any differently? Um, I don't. I don't know. I think. I think it's just sort of has. I'm trying to kind of go with the flow and and what's happened in my life and and where I've been, where I am, and where I'm going. So that's you know that that's kind of what I see. You know, and the, and the next stages for me is is I love working with college university students. I'm hoping that I can do this online kind of life in a way of getting the college students from around the country to do interesting things and, and hello connect with the national association uh, for the education of young children blah 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 <laughs> so what, oh go ahead go ahead no no you go what what advice or bit of wisdom would you have for somebody coming into the field, starting their 45-year journey. And specifically, I'm interested in for, for your advice for a, a, a guys that are thinking about a, a trip down a similar path. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, uh, again, certainly, you know, for me, understanding kids' growth and development and enjoying that, seeing that emerging sense of self I think they have to, to be aware of who children are and, and what they're all about. I think that's the first thing. I think in doing that, you also, I hope, you enjoy that development. You, it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's remarkable to see how they grow and develop over time. And to see that and to celebrate that with and around the children, I think, is remarkable. Even, even you know, my little ones who've learned to tie for the first time and have, uh, can draw and to color and they did their letter Oh my God, Bill, look at this. I did my letter. Yes, you did. Awesome. Go dude or dudette. Um, <laughs> and, and that kind of thing of, of, of seeing and enjoying kids development, I think is critical. If you, you know, don't go into a field, don't go into a profession or a field that you're not gonna, what would we say? Have a blast in. I mean, yeah, I want to make a lot of money, although you and I know it's not going to be in our field. I'm no. sorry to say that. It's not going to be in our field. That is a sad statement. And, and I'd love to say something about that at the national level saying, excuse me, let's talk salary. Let's talk money. Let's, how many of my buddies have a degree in early childhood education, a bachelor's degree, associates, bachelor's, master's, doctorate, whatever. And what are their salaries? What, are the, what, what do they make a year to survive? And I mean survive. They're not flourishing. I mean, yeah. our field... Um, our salary lines are, are not the same as those as public educators. Right. And that's a, that's a statement. It really is a statement. Yeah. You know, so that, that's, a, I think it's probably one of the reasons there are so few men in the field. Yeah, that, that could be, but, but I, I don't want to say to women, Oh yeah, but you can set a set, you know, settle for that. No. Right. No, I agree. I agree. You know, no, you're not settling for that. No, 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 no. You deserve the same kind of salary that we'd be getting, uh, <clears throat> at least at the public school level, across the board. 
Well, I think early childhood is so much more important than everything that I think we should be getting salaries like lawyers and doctors. I agree with you there. And even my infant toddler educators, who do you think starts the ball game? Especially infant toddler educators. Yep. Yep. That's an important uh, time of life. Yes. Babies rock. Yeah. <laughs> literally. <laughs> yes, literally. So yes, I'm with you there. Infants and toddlers and been there, done that. I mean, my babies are my babies. The babies are such a hoot and a half and they're wonderful and they're interesting and they're smelly and they're fun. And, you know, we, we do all that baby changing and okay, now you're clean. Let's go. Yay. And they're happy and they're content and off we go. <laughs> be, be, go ahead. Be a baby. <laughs> <laughs> they're so good at it too. Yes, they are. They're brilliant at it. And, mm -hmm. and, I, and there's another, again, I guess I would say for me, I want students to become good uh, college students, good observers of children's development. I want them to become developmentalists so that they understand the full range of children's development, not just from infancy, but infancy all the way up into adulthood. I want them to, to certainly understand all the the intellectual and the brilliance of the research, et cetera, in the field, but to also understand the importance of who the children are and how they learn best. <clears throat> how do young children learn best? Duh. Excuse me. Yeah. yeah. Squeezy things and stuff to touch. And this one clicks. <laughs> oh, is this cool or what? This one is smooth and round. Oh my God. It does all these weird things. What the heck is that? I don't know. Where did but you somebody, get that? Where did you well, get Well, somebody that? gave that to me. Said, Dr. Bill, you have to have this. Okay, I got it. It's on my desk, along with all my other junk and stuff and toys <laughs> and things. And, and here, wait, wait, don't, don't go anywhere. Whoa, don't drop. Okay, check this out. I have three of these beautiful... And it, Ooh, nesting ooh, Christmas trees. Aren't these cool? And they And you can take them all out. And they could be an entire forest if you want. But I have three of these in different sizes. But the, those are on my desk year round because I love these, these, wooden, uh, mm -hmm. these wooden things. Cool? cool? Cool. Very cool. So just to sh and, and so, so here, look at this here. You got manipulatives. They call them manipulatives. <laughs> so I, 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 understanding development, I think, is really important. I've, I've run across way too many people working with toddlers who are at the edge of their rope with the toddlers because toddlers are doing toddler things like climbing and dumping and yes, and exactly. biting and uh, a little bit of understanding into the toddleriness of toddlers would, right. would really alleviate some of those struggles these people are absolutely, having. Absolutely, absolutely. And again, so that speaks to their understanding of human growth and development. So. Yeah. Yep. You think about it. What what are we? What are we? How are we preparing teachers of young children? Certainly, that they have a strong uh, understanding and respect and love for human growth and development. That's that's key to me. And, and so, well, one of the reasons I retired a little bit earlier than I might have from mm -hmm. teaching college was they went so structured towards the elementary ed that they even thought that the course on child development was unnecessary and, and that's uh, sad that's really sad i fought for it for the early early childhood right but i couldn't get it that that it was mandatory for the elementary ed which still needed it and i just thought i've got to move on now because right. I, this is not 
not, this is not okay. Right. I agree with you. That's, it's a, how can you, how can you um, work with children if you don't understand their development and right. where they are in their development? Right. And, or those children, for instance, because I was a one-to-one support person for, for this one little guy who needed some additional support. I didn't, I wasn't all over him, but I was sort of off to the side and available and ready if he needed support and how to better communicate and how to reach out and how to be more thoughtful uh, with other children, things, things of that nature. So, so I'm, I'm really just sort of a shadow, not in this kid's face, (laughs) but that emerges over time. So there's a development of trust and, and we got to do things together and the importance of play and what that and how play is therapeutic as it brilliant play as therapy. Hmm. And, and I don't think we realize that children play as therapy is something kids are doing themselves. It's not something yes. that do them. They are constantly putting themselves through little, little micro doses of play yep. therapy. When Absolutely. They, when they show up in the program Monday morning, playing out a scenario that happened at home over right. the weekend and trying to make sense of it. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And, 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 and isn't it cool that you have dramatic play, a dramatic play area? Yeah. Yeah, when that dramatic play area will be supportive of that kind of play, because I found that way too often the play kind of takes on a darker theme, maybe, and yeah. the adults are, are really eager to rush in and shut it down because we don't play like that here. But and then I say, well, why is there not? Because from and in my programs, my staff, one staff was always in the dramatic play area. In other words, you're there. <laughs> That's where you're going to be for a while. So guess what? The teacher can just be there or negotiate interesting things going on or introduce interesting things that might happen or be listening. And guess what? The dramatic player had just turned into the post office. Okay. So what do we need to do? So, oh my God, a post office. How are we going to do this? So there's always a teacher in the dramatic play area that's supporting whatever the kids are going to be creating, developing, designing, and doing. Absolutely. You yeah. know? Yeah. It's so, it's so interesting hearing you talk, Bill. Well, I'm glad. It's interesting for me to be here. And I love your spaces. I love that lamp right there. I love the door. It's freaking beautiful. <laughs> I love your books over here. Looks like you've got a bunch of DVDs. Oh, my God. I'm coming over. <laughs> hey, and if you yours wanna, too. If you, if I you love your plants. Over to your place. Bill, where yeah, do you got beautiful plants right there. And you've got a whole bunch of books behind you and a bunch of jars. Oh, my God. Those it looks jars are like- full of dead animals. I was going to say, I bet that there are creatures in there. You, you in- mentioned uh, traveling. I've I've spent a lot of time traveling with uh, uh, airport security. Was always concerned with my plunger and dead squirrel in a jar when I would uh, exactly. fly with them. Yeah, I agree. I agree with fly you. with dead squirrels in jars. Well, that's always. It depends on the squirrel. <laughs> that's too funny. Although yesterday I'm watching out my window and I'm noticing an interesting tiny little gosh hawk uh, trying to swoop in here and grab a tiny little um, uh, titmouse bird. They were all over the, the, and it shot in there, tried for it, didn't get it, but I watched them fly off into the woods. I'm like, what? What the heck was that? And boy, was that a fast little transaction. Like, whoa. That's amazing. And off they went. 
<laughs> well, we, I'm sure you, uh, you kids have other things to do. It is now almost 1130. Mm-hmm. I, I was going to ask, where do you want, uh, where if we, if we got people listening to the show that need more bill in their lives, are there places on <laughs> oh. social media or the interwebs that we should send them or do they write you a letter? I don't know what they do. Cause I'm not, I, I have done this so many times, not <laughs> that you're you two are have to teach me what to do but although my friend in in again in uh the philippines is saying bill you have to do things when you get over here you're you're you know you're going to be needed in several universities and places to visit and i i do want to do that anyway uh to to visit well, the early childhood well, how, how could people see more of you where if they wanted to i mean in terms of online stuff I, I don't know if I've done anything that's on, you're it. So so if you said, here's an online Dr. Bill thing. That's not true. <laughs> you've, got your, you've got your Facebook page. Yes, I do have my Facebook. And the Facebook pages include those, well, on mine, for instance, if if, stu- if they're college and university students or, or faculty who say, yeah, I'm, a, I'm the faculty advisor of an early childhood club <clears throat> and I want to connect with these other clubs too, they would just get a hold of me. So So they just, so because my pages are, within my Facebook page, I guess. Okay, so, so the, they would look for William Strader? They would. They could do, yes, they could put William H. Strader and then you just you just go there and that's, that's me. Yeah. Hey, listeners, I will stock Bill on social media so you don't have to and put the link in the show notes for this episode. Okay, that is brilliant on your part. That's why they pay you the big bucks. Yeah, yeah, all this big podcast money that we're making, huh, tomorrow. <laughs> Hey, listen. Do oh. people actually make money on podcasts? Oh, there are people that make uh, millions on podcasts, but we don't Seriously. happen to be two of them. But but I mean, when you say that, do, are they the big name actors and actresses, or are they uh, theater people, or are oh, they? Well, there's a there's a gentleman named uh, Joe Rogan. You ever heard of Joe Rogan? No. Okay, so Joe Rogan is a, a comedian guy with movies. Uh, uh, he recently was paid a hundred million dollars to move his uh, podcast to Spotify um, okay. and just have it released on that platform. So yeah, people people make lots of lots of money if they're the right people. Um, we don't happen That's to be those people, but no, maybe, me either. Not, you're mean, not Jeff yet. Is, huh, Jeff is Jeff is not paying me one cent. Not well. No, it's the it's the joy of getting to hang out with me on the internet. That's the well. Uh, that's it. That's the that's, that's the payment. Where, that's where, a where big are you? Payment. Where Where are you located? I'm so. in Iowa. You're in Iowa. Hey, yeah. I'm an Illinois kid. Hello, Illinois, yeah. Iowa. Out here, where we don't talk like New Yorkers. No, we don't. <laughs> we do not. We do Neither not. Do I? <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's well, I grew up on six. I grew oh, up on six. I grew up on sixteen acres northwest of Chicago. Way back when, and then, then it was, and I thought it was interesting that my father and mother, World War II, when they came, when they arrived back to the Midwest, and of all things, they found this rundown farmhouse and this 16 acres, and I mean, talk about a, not, I can't even say rundown, the building was like falling apart, and they found this place, and they, re, they, they maintained the old farmhouse, they redid it. Now, in those days, and you figured this is after World War II, 1950, yeah, 49, 50, 51, that's when they did this. I can't, they must have bought the the house, the property, it's on a lake, all of this stuff um, in 16 acres. I'll probably bet they didn't pay $2,000 for it. 
I'm sure. You know? Wow. But I mean, look what we had to do. I mean, how many people get an old farmhouse or an old place and they fix it all up? Well, these are people who are doing this then, right after World War II. Wow. That's amazing. So anyway, all right, I'm going to be quiet. Let's go. This this here has been Early Learning Journeys. We'll be back soon with somebody else's journey. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Cheers. And there we did it. We made a podcast. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.